Hi, this is Jeff Steele. Today we're reading John chapter 8, verses 21 through 30. It says, Later, Jesus said to them again, I am going away. You will search for me, but will die in your sin. You cannot come where I am going. The people asked, Is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean, you cannot come where I am going? Jesus continued, You are from below. I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. That is why I said you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Who are you? they demanded. Jesus replied, The one I have always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. But they still didn't understand that he was talking about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. And the one who has sent me is with me. He has not deserted me. For I always do what pleases him. Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. Okay. My first thought in reading this is, yikes. Uh, Jesus is being kind of harsh here, isn't he? When we think about the great sayings of Jesus, when we quote Jesus' words, we usually like to think of more inspirational kind of things like judge not, right? Or uh, for God so loved the world or for I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, stuff that's encouraging, uh, things that you could print like on a motivational poster and would look nice and sound nice. So the thought of Jesus teaching a crowd and saying something like, you will die in your sins. That is a little bit jarring to me. It kind of calls to mind images of fiery preachers who teach wrath and anger on Sunday mornings, right? Yelling at their congregations to shape up and threatening hell and judgment for those who disobey. I would guess that probably that's not how most of us came to know Jesus. We think more about a few chapters earlier in John, um, John 3, when it says that Jesus came because God loved the world and he wants to save people. And then it even says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So what on earth do we do with these much harsher words? You will die in your sins. Well, a lot of you who are a part of our Watermark family know me and, uh, and you know my family and you know that in addition to being a pastor, my wife and I are also foster parents. Uh, let me give you a quick picture of how foster care works, okay? Someone reports to the state uh, suspected abuse or neglect of a child. The state investigates whether they think that claim is true or not. And if they find the kids are in danger or they believe parents can't or won't provide for their needs, then they might remove the kids from the parents' custody and then they place them in a foster home like ours. 
This begins a lengthy process uh, where caseworkers make a plan for returning those kids home to mom and dad. So they list out all the obstacles to reunification, which depends on why they were removed. You know, if it's if it's a homelessness thing, they make a plan for that. If it's substance abuse, they might send, you know, they get some abuse uh, treatment, uh, counseling involved. If it's domestic violence, they make a plan for all of those things. The end goal is always this. As soon as the parents have addressed the issues that led to removal in the first place, as soon as they have followed the plan, those kids will be returned to them. That is how it is supposed to work. And along the way, there are these checkpoints. There are uh, court hearings every three months to check up on progress and see how things are going. If things are going well, the case moves closer to reunification. If things aren't uh, going well, then we move the opposite direction. It's a devastating process for all who are involved, both parents and kids. And so why do I tell you that story and what does that have to do with this text? Because sometimes things go wrong along the way and somebody doesn't follow the plan or they can't follow the plan for whatever reason. And and after we do several of those check-ins, after a year or more of court hearings with very little progress to show for it, I've seen this happen on more than one occasion where a judge or a lawyer or a caseworker or somebody will look that parent in the eye across the courtroom and say these words, you will lose your children. You are going to lose your kids. They're trying to communicate something in that instance. They are saying, how long have we been at this? Do you want do you want that to happen? Do you want to lose your kids? Because that's the road you're on right now. I know you don't want that, but that's where you're headed. That's where your choices have brought you. So decide right now what's more important to you. Do you want to take drugs or do you want to get your kid back? Do you want to find a job or do you want to get your kids? Because this has to go one way or the other, and we aren't going to wait much longer. There comes this point when the court will only wait so long, and eventually they will say, that's enough time. And they'll call a trial and they will terminate parental rights, which means legally disconnecting parent and child. It is honestly the most tragic thing I have ever witnessed. Especially when, from my perspective, it seemed like it was so preventable. And, and I almost want to just... I almost just want to scream like, come on, did you not hear the warnings? Did you not think that they were serious? Did you think that it, this wouldn't happen? I mean, it didn't have to end this way. But you clung to your pride and you clung to your addictions. And I know that's hard, but you couldn't find the motivations to take the steps you needed to take. And now it's too late. Somewhere along the line, someone will try to jolt that parent into action and tell them, you are about to lose your kids. I don't want that for you, but that is what is about to happen. So these people who were near Jesus, who were intrigued by Jesus, they were interested in what he had to say, at least. They were hearing his teaching. They were witnessing his miracles. But then they were also trying to trip Jesus up with tests that we've been hearing about over the last couple of days. And, and their outright jealousy of him. To those people, Jesus says, you are about to miss it. You're about to miss it. 
Something is happening here that is too important to let you just miss out because the people were listening to Jesus. They were asking questions about Jesus, but they had not yet put their faith in him. And to them, Jesus said, unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. You can almost hear the urgency in his words. Come on, guys. Did you hear the wisdom I've been teaching? Did you see the miracles I've done? Haven't you seen how much of a difference I've made in the lives of some of your family and friends? Have you noticed how different they are since they've been following me? Or do you think that this invitation is not for you? Of course it's for you. I'm inviting you to believe that I am who I've said I am this whole time. That's the only way out of the trap you're in. It's the only way to make sense of this crazy world. And it's the only chance you have for light and for hope in this otherwise very dark place. Believe in Jesus. That's the main thing. Don't get distracted and lose sight of the main thing. That's what the religious leaders were doing in Jesus's day. They sat around and argued about Jesus and they would say, well, he healed somebody on the Sabbath day. The Messiah wouldn't do that, would he? I mean, he couldn't, right? Could he? Jesus is from Galilee. The scriptures never said we should listen to somebody from Galilee. Surely that disqualifies him as someone that we just don't have to take seriously, doesn't it? And all the while, Jesus is imploring, listen, guys, you are from below, so it makes sense to you that you don't understand it. But I'm telling you, there is only one way to save yourself, and it's to believe in me. Put your faith in me and let me rescue you. Then he said, listen, when you have seen me lifted up on the cross, then you're going to understand. See, because... From this side of the cross where we are sitting, we can look back and see a little bit more of what was going on. We can see that Jesus was living a sinless life so he could die on our behalf, so he could actually take the consequences of sin upon himself. We know that it's not up to us to be perfect because that's not possible. It's up to us to trust Jesus. So I'd like to ask, what about you? Do you ever get hung up on things that aren't really about Jesus, but they keep you from following him? We ask this question a lot on this podcast and and in teachings on Sunday morning. We often say, so where is God trying to get your attention? What do you feel like God is trying to say to you right now? And after words, some fairly... um, I don't know, intense words that I've shared today. Let me, let me just give you a quick distinction to help you sort through that a little bit today. Because you might be hearing one of two different messages. First of all, there's a message of condemnation. And, and Jesus said, uh, even when he was teaching the people, he said, I have a lot to say and there's a lot that I could condemn, but I won't. And the, I think the reason that Jesus said, I won't do that is because that's not how God speaks to us. If you hear something like that, if you hear it, uh, some of the stories that I've shared and, and, and you are hearing a message of condemnation, let me tell you, that is not how God speaks. If, if the message that you're hearing is, man, I'm, I'm no good. I'm no good. I mess it up. I've always messed it up. I'm always going to mess it up. There's just not even a point in trying because I'm just never going to get there. Man, that is not how God speaks. 
that is condemnation. It's like a, a wet blanket, and it just feels heavy. The alternative to that is uh, a way that God does speak, and that is through conviction. When Jesus said to people, you will die in your sins, he was offering, he was throwing them a rope, and he was offering them a way out, but he was speaking a word of conviction. God will convict. The Holy Spirit will convict us of our sins, but that is sharp. Here's the difference. Condemnation is broad and heavy. Conviction is sharp and pointed, and it is absolutely painful, but it also carries life with it. It is like the scalpel of a surgeon. It is sharp, and it definitely can pierce, but it also brings life and brings hope. When Jesus says, you will die in your sins, he's pointing out something specific and convicting. That's a very different thing. So let me come back to the question, what about you? Do you think about condemnation in your life? Because if, if that's the case, let me encourage you, that is not how God speaks to you. Or do you hear the words of conviction, of particular things uh, that hurt, but, but that offer the hope of life? Where do you feel like God is speaking to you? And then the bigger question, what will you do about it? Let's pray. God, I pray that you convict us of the distractions. You convict us of the places that we've missed the point. Show us again and again that it's all about you. Show us, um, God, cut away the, the things that distract us so that we can be focused on following you and your plan for us. Um, God, may the uh, even even harsh words, even harsh teachings and, and convicting things, God, may those bring us life because they are from you in your name. Amen. Have a great day.